the mental health. This is slowly turning into a Britney's slowly unraveling podcast. People are like, that's not social distancing to have your therapist over. I'm like, would you rather me kill myself? <laughs> I'm, I'm making a joke out of it, but I'm not. You know what I mean? Um, no, it's great. Julia has been uh, kind of aiding me through the quarantine that yeah. we've been in uh, with my mental health, because as you guys know, it's not the greatest. <laughs> um, so you've been a vital asset to me, and uh, she's come over and helped me, and she has um, been quarantining herself, and I have also been quarantining, so we figured it would be safe to get together and do this podcast. And I brought Lysol just in case. Yes. To sp- we can use it as mouth spray later. Yeah. Just like, you know, a little... Like li- Banaka? Li- like a little... Yeah, like Banaka, <laughs> but Lysol. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, you guys wrote to me. I actually have a bunch of questions for you. We're going to start off the first half of the podcast answering questions because I figured everyone is really going through it right now. Um, you know, obviously being quarantined is really hard on a lot of people, especially people with mental health issues or in relationships where they've never had to be alone with their significant other for so much time. I have a lot of people writing to me going like, wow, I am stressed out. I've, I'm you know, stuck with this, but you know, people are used to their husband or wife going to work. Yeah. Alone time or time away from their spouses or, you know, or even just uh, like being around each other, but not this much, like having the opportunity to escape if need be. Right. But now they're kind of trapped together. Yes. And if you haven't ever done that with your spouse before, you're going to be finding out the hard way if you guys get along or not. It's true. Yeah. And that's what a lot of the questions that I have have come in today. Um, so we're going to dive right in and we're going to start answering some of your guys' questions because you guys asked me so many good questions. Um, I have my first question. Um, I'm going to obviously, I'm going to keep the questions anonymous just for the sake of everyone because some sure. people said it was okay and then some people were like, ah, eh. so... We're just going to stay anonymous on this. Um, well, anonymous or not, usually when I've done these, like, ask me anything things, uh-huh. I, what I found is that um, typically if one person has a question, other people have probably wondered the same thing too. Right. So it's, you know, anonymity is a good thing, but you're probably not the only one right. wondering about this. Okay. So, okay. So your first question um, comes from um, a, a, a girl. She's around my age, and she said, "Can you please talk to your therapist about relationship anorexia? I've been single for seven years, and for the past two years, I have not only avoided relationships but any kind of intimacy. Really, I don't really understand why I do this or what is possibly going on." Mm-hmm. So anorexia is. That's, it's a big word. Right. So we know it as, you know, you hear it all the time and most people know about it as uh, some type of an eating disorder, having to do with food or eating, restricting your intake. Right. Nina needs attention. I'm going to put her up here. Go ahead. She's it's okay. Having some Speaking intimacy of relationship, yeah. yeah. Speaking of relationship <laughs> anorexia, Nina's like, I'm excuse me, bitch. Um, sorry. Okay. Now she's up here. She's good. Okay. Good. My co-therapist. Yeah. So... Anorexia typically is 
thought of in terms of an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. You got that. Mm-hmm. Okay. But um, when it comes to relationships and intimacy, it's kind of the same thing in terms of restriction. Okay. So it's not only restriction, but also an avoidance. And it's more commonly called intimacy anorexia or even sexual anorexia. And with that, it's, um, I'm going to try to explain this simply because I could get into a long drawn out explanation, but basically it's this aversion. It's Mm -hmm. like, I don't really want to get close. I don't want to be vulnerable. I am not feeling comfortable. And on some level, there could be a lack of safety Mm -hmm. in that. Mm -hmm. Like either you've been hurt, you've had some type of wounding or trauma. And so you're trying to kind of uh, maintain a safe distance. Um, Or it's the sort of thing where you maybe have had um, a lot of dating experiences that haven't really turned out well. It was almost like a binge and purge kind of thing mm-hmm. where you've binged before and now you're kind of in this purge cycle where you're just kind of avoiding it altogether because it felt so health unhealthy during mm-hmm. the binge. How do people get over this? How do they, how do they, she said she's been seven years. That's not That's uncommon. a long time. So people who are intimacy anorexic, typically this is a long-term thing. It's not really a quick fix Mm -hmm. and oftentimes it has to do with your attachment style if you have avoidant attachment you're not comfortable getting too close to people at all in general you're going to have issues with that as well but it's a lot of um learning about what makes you feel uncomfortable Mm -hmm. getting close to people or being emotionally intimate and obviously one of the side effects of emotional intimacy is physical intimacy. Right. That's usually where things naturally lead. So understanding where you feel unsafe and being able to communicate with your partners around that and around what you're needing to feel safe. So, you know, if you need to ask for space, if you're feeling overwhelmed or smothered, that's one thing you can do. Um, But it's a long process. And for people who do get involved in relationships or are in marriages or whatever else with somebody who has intimacy anorexia, it can be really depleting. Yeah. And I give the cookie analogy of you constantly feel like you're getting crumbs and you get so excited every time you get a crumb because you think you're finally getting that awesome, delicious cookie that you've wanted for so long, Mm -hmm. but all you have is a crumb and you're just kind of existing, waiting for the next crumb And you see the cookie in front of you and you want it and it looks great, but you're never fully able to have it. And it's basically because the person, the cookie, the person of your desire, the one with the intimacy anorexia is never able to really be all in. Wow. Do you think it's because they're they're scared of, I think on some level there's fear and lack of safety and discomfort and most likely some trauma that has created that. Yeah. Okay. Well, hopefully that person's uh, listening and that helps them. But what's interesting is for some people that works for them, Mm -hmm. like they're perfectly content being this way. Like never having a real relationship with anyone. Yeah. They can exist like that all their lives, but then it's really not, (laughs) it's really not an issue unless you start feeling like, you know, I want this. So why am I unable to have it? Or why do I get really uncomfortable anytime I come anywhere near it? Right. Then you have something that maybe you need to address with a therapist. I mean, this stuff is workable, but you really got to dig into, you know, what kind of made you pull away in the first place and what happened before that 
And what did that leave you with? Okay, I'm going to, that's for you. And I hope that Julia answered your question. I'm going to leave it at that for that question because you have so many more questions. Well, fire away. We're going to, okay, so here's the next one. Um, and this is a great question. Um, it says, I'd love for you to ask your therapist how you can truly build trust. I feel that I self-sabotage a lot of my relationships because I can't seem to believe anything anyone says. Um, I try to communicate with my partner and try to avoid ruining things, but I get anxious and paranoid and my insecurities are a turnoff. Um, she said it's, it's an endeavor, um, and it's really hard. How do you get the trust to grow? I know it's a loaded question. She feels like everything her partner says to her, you know, she doesn't believe him. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, you know, so. So what, so I deal with a lot of infidelity issues, right? You know, right. I work with a lot of couples. I work with a lot of sex addiction, betrayal, trauma, and this is such a huge question. And to me, after there's been a betrayal of trust mm -hmm. because of cheating, lying, whatever else. What I tell folks who want to stay in this relationship and rebuild the trust is basically it's four pillars. Mm -hmm. There are four things that the person whose trust is lacking is going to need to see to build it back. Uh -huh. And that's consistent, voluntary transparency over an extended period of time. Mm -hmm. There we go. That's four. I had wow. Five so, so the guy that she's in the relationship with has to be in on this too. Yeah. He's okay. got to be game. And if she sees his willingness and his commitment to demonstrate to her that he's trustworthy, that he's got nothing to hide. I'm saying he, but it could be she as right, well. Right. But you know, as long as the partner is committed to this and is actively participating and putting in the effort to demonstrate this commitment and this willingness and is patient with it, that's the stuff that rebuilds trust. Consistent, voluntary transparency over an extended period of time. Meaning not the begrudging like, oh, you're asking me this again. Fine. Right, right. Like, okay, okay. I know that this is something you're sensitive about. So- here it is. Yeah. yeah. That's actually so true too, because I had come from a relationship where I was cheated on, gaslit, all that horrible stuff before I started dating Tommy. And I would, and I came into this relationship with Tommy very messed up and very vulnerable and insecure and paranoid. And, you know, cause the last guy I was with, I had to like hack his shit to find all this, you know, cause I knew something was going on and it right. was driving me crazy. And then I found, you know, what proved to be true and it was all there. Right. And right. anyway, so I got like, you know, all paranoid and was like, God, am I going to have to be like an inspector gadget with every dude now? And so when I first started dating Tommy, I'd like told him, you know, I just came out of this crazy relationship where I had all this lying and, and cheating going on. It really broke me down. And I said, I can't do that again. I don't ever want to be around that again. And Tommy was like, well, I just leave all my iPads and iPhone like totally unlocked. So you can just like look whenever you want. Like, <laughs> I don't really care. And the first couple, like I would say months of our relationship, I would like check it. And then like after a while, because of what you said, the consistency, the, you know, reassurance or whatever, like I got over it. I was like, yeah. oh, okay, I don't need to look anymore because I never find anything. You know right. what I mean? Right. So it's true. If you, you, you can be healed, ladies and gentlemen, um, yeah. if you come from a relationship where someone has, you know, emotionally and mentally abused you, there's a way to get over it. And that is with your partner being understanding. They need to be a, an active participant. Yeah. They have to be on board. But- you know, I think 
it's one of those things where you have this intuition that something is going on and you have to be able to trust that intuition. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if you've been gaslit, that's going to get you to second guess your intuition big time. You're going to yeah. start questioning everything. So, you know, trust your intuition. You don't necessarily need evidence. Sometimes, you know, that gut feeling is evidence enough. I know. So, but if you are in a relationship and you do need to work this out, then that's what kind of needs to happen. And you need to speak up when you're starting to feel off about something. Right. And not just try to investigate. But I feel like girls, you know, that was the thing too. I would say something to my ex, like, are you cheating on me? Do you want to break up? Like I would always say things. I felt like something was going on. I couldn't pinpoint it. And then when I finally did, I was like, oh my God, I was so right. Um, but you know, I feel like sometimes girls, um, they get scared to speak up because they don't want to seem insecure to their partner. And I think that's like really, it's hard. It's like a fine line because I feel like guys in some ways are like, Oh God, that's so annoying, blah, blah, blah. But also if you preface it with being like, Oh, I came from a really shit situation. I'm going to ask you some dumb questions sometimes. And I know they're going to annoy you, but please just bear with me. Mm. And I need that reassurance sometimes, you know? Yeah. And I think it's part of being a good partner is no, you didn't cause this situation, but if you want to establish a healthy foundation and some really solid trust and, you know, closeness and intimacy and vulnerability, whether you caused it or not, whether it happened before you, you know, this is the person that you're choosing to partner up with. Right. So you kind of have to be supportive of their healing process and their wounds. There's no such thing as a relationship where both people are coming in like perfectly ripe avocados with no baggage like that. Unless you're a baby. Like, that doesn't happen. <laughs> Unless you're two babies that right. are dating. Like. <laughs> like that doesn't happen. As soon as you like live life, you have experiences that are going to, you know, impact you and that are going to leave an imprint. Scars. Yeah. I actually totally get, I mean, I'm not going to like, I'm not defending my ex by any means because he treated me terribly, but I've learned also about people like him where once they are loved and accepted by someone, they personally don't think they're worthy of love and acceptance. So then they disregard that person because they're like, oh, if this person likes me, something must be wrong with them. So I think that that's why he treated me the way he did. Totally. And I'm trying to like wrap my head around that, but I've like read about, you know, this and I, and I, I'm kind of like understanding it and like it kind of makes sense to me now. So I don't know if anyone, if that makes sense to anyone else, but sometimes, you know, not sometimes, but it's not about you. You know what I mean? It's like a lot of people have personal issues that, you know, define for them. Like once they've gotten a person's love or feel like they've gotten a person's love, they feel like they've won the game and it's boring now. It's over for them. Well, you're talking about conquest. Yeah. So that's a separate thing, but there's um there is something to to there's there's a lot to the concept of you know once you get that person's acceptance and love of you and a sense of being wanted by them Mm -hmm. that there's you know if you've had again big fat t word trauma right if you've had it there may be fear that you're going to lose it or that you know if you let them in fully that they're going to find out who you are a little bit of that like imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. and that they're definitely going to reject or abandon you. So you have to, you know, 
jump ship first oh. to keep from getting hurt. And mm-hmm. so people will do things to sabotage their relationship. Wow. So they'll cheat or whatever. And then they'll go, I don't know why I cheated. I think you're great. I love you, but I just find myself continuously doing this. I see that all the time. Yikes. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Ugh, that's horrible. Okay, well, I hope that answered that person's question. I hope that helps you. Um, our next question comes um, from a sweet girl. Um, she says, hi, Brittany and Julia. Um, what are the most effective and natural ways to deal with panic attacks? I'm sure, like myself, many people have noticed a spike in anxiety and panic since the COVID situation. And personally for myself, I never want to have to go on medication as I have before and had a very negative experience. Um, I'm really hoping that you can help me out with some natural remedies or things that I can do to pull myself out of these panic attacks. Lots of love. Totally. So I'm guessing we got a lot of questions about panic attacks right now. We have so many questions about panic attacks. And I think because I'm so vocal about my panic attack situation, I have a lot of people that follow me that know that I have really bad panic attacks that's I don't have depression I don't feel depressed I don't feel like I'm a depressed person I get up I put my makeup on I go outside I do things I've been depressed before and when I was I was not productive I didn't you know get out of bed right but now I still am dealing with panic attacks horribly Mm -hmm. and I'm actually noticing that when they're coming really badly is always around my time of the month Mm-hmm. I actually am starting to clock that. Like, I'm like, oh, it's like around this time, like either four or five days before my period, I'll start, you know, getting panic attacks, which you said, excuse me, could be hormone related, obviously. Well, um, it can just exacerbate, yeah. you know, your sensitivity to things that right. make you anxious. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then also, I mean, I'm on the medication, which I've also been very vocal about, the Effexor um, XR I've been on for years. I started at 150 milligrams. I'm actually on the lowest dose right now, 37.5, which is a starting dose. And I only weaned myself down to that because I was getting chest pains from the Effexor, which can happen with Effexor because it does cause your heart to beat a little bit faster than normal. So at 37.5, I barely have the chest pain. I'm managing to cope. I take Valium for emergencies, CBD, uh, you know, and then CBD I, is a great one. Yeah. Um, but you also have to do a little research because some forms of administration of it are not, you don't absorb as much of it and right. it's not absorbed as easily. Right. So uh, what I understand, and this was told to me by a psychiatrist friend of mine is that when you take tinctures or capsules, pills, that kind of stuff that you actually absorb a smaller percentage that as much as it's not good for you, vaping it is you actually absorb more. Really? Yeah. Vaping That's CBD. That's what he told me. Yeah. Wow. But you have to be really careful with okay. the products that you buy because there are a lot of um, CBD like inhaling products that um, they're actually it's not sourced well. Like they Ooh. use all sorts of chemicals to extract the CBD oh, no. from the cannabis plants. So you kind of have to do a little bit of legwork to see which brands are um, doing it in a more natural way. Not using pesticides it. and chemicals pesticides and things like that. Pesticides and things like, what was the one I saw? Like propane and, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's a lot. And it's, it's a tricky process to extract it and to, to extract it in a pure fashion. Mm -hmm. So I know it's not easy. Um, and it's a huge industry nowadays. It's huge. I mean, I, I work with Terra Vita CBD. I actually found them because they sent me some samples and I tried 
their um, relaxed tincture that has ashwagandha root in it, mm-hmm. which I'm a huge fan of ashwagandha yeah, root. That's awesome. It helps a lot. Yep. I mean, honestly, if I if I don't want to take a Valium, I will take an ash, uh, ashwagandha root pill, and it really helps. You can look them up. Get gel caps. It's better for your system. Totally. All natural. Yeah. Um, doesn't have any side effects that I know of. Um, well, I don't know. It's with all these natural calming. things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's you. I mean, everybody's so different, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's body bodies handle things differently. So most people may handle it well, and there might be that one off person who happens to be allergic to it for some weird reason. Right. It's like me discovering I'm allergic to tea tree oil of all weird. things, which is totally natural, and it's right. in tons of essential oils and. I'm super allergic to it. Right. So, so you maybe never like know. wait till COVID's over before you try the ashwagandha root. Yeah, unless you if know. you have an allergic reaction, the hospital's not where you want to go right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You don't want to go to the hospital and risk getting sick. But I will say that the, and I'm not getting paid for this, the company that I use of their pills is Irwin Naturals. That's E-R-W-I-N yeah. Naturals. Their ashwagandha root pill is really good. It has um, something else in it. It's like... I don't know. It's It's been really helpful to me. I mean, although at the end of the day, I will say, even though this person says they don't like taking prescription medications. They help. They help. They can. And I hate to say that because I'm like the one that's like been trying to get off of them for years sure. just because I feel like I've been a slave to it. But also I'm kind of like, okay, well, if I had diabetes, I would, would I get mad at myself for taking insulin? No. No. Well, here's the thing. What I think that person is, is addressing is sort of the difference between pills and skills. Right. Okay. Okay. And the most effective forms of treatment for most mental health issues um, are a combination of both pills and skills. So by skills, what I mean is like behavioral things, ways that you can learn to calm yourself down. Right. And you know, because I've told you a bazillion times. I call Julia when I have panic attacks. You guys need to get a Julia or get Julia. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to tag Julia. Oh, my God. You get all these. I only have so much bandwidth she left over all- after you. <laughs> Julia's like, Jesus Christ. She del- she deletes her phone. She deletes her phone number. While Julia, I try to reach you after the podcast. You're gone. <laughs> um, no, but I will link all your stuff on here, too, if you guys do live sure. in California. Um, so what I was what I want to stress to somebody like that who has panic attacks, who mm-hmm is apprehensive about taking medication, especially, you know, prescription psychotropic meds. It's understandable. I get it. Um, But there are a lot of behavioral things that you can do. And one of the things that I talk to people about all the time, and I've said it to you a bazillion times, is the fire drill mentality. You've heard me talk about it. Is basically anybody who's gone to school in the U.S. probably remembers fire drills. And somebody had to wear that ugly neon vest and be the leader who like executes the, you know, evacuation plan and tells everybody where to go and you line up in a parking lot and, you know. So the purpose of that is to teach you what the plan is going to be when there isn't an emergency so that if there is one, we know what to you do. know what to do because that's not the time for you guys to be like, okay, line up now and yeah. we're going to go in order slowly. No, people are going to be like, oh, fuck, I'm going to run screaming from the building. Yeah, that's what so, I would do. Like pandemonium, right? That's what like I do. Trampling yeah. each other. <laughs> like the kid with the inhalers, fucked. Like, yeah, he's, he's just be- <laughs> <laughs> Right. So basically, um, it's the same thing for anxiety for all of this. You have to start finding different, um, different things that help you get grounded, Mm -hmm. that help you 
regulate yourself emotionally, whether it's some type of a breathing exercise or it's meditation or it's journaling, it's prayer, it's guided imagery, whatever it is for you. Biting a lemon. You can bite a lemon sometimes. That helps. Really? Yeah. The sourness. Like if I'm having a crazy panic attack, if I go bite a lemon and suck the juice, it fucks me up so good because it's like so sour. My body's like freaking out. And then it's like, ah, fuck this. Like what's going on in the mouth? Like the Uh, mouth is fucked up. Or sticking my head in the freezer. Yeah. Because, you know, I sometimes get like overwhelmed, feel like I'm going to get passed out. I get hot. Um, and I feel like I'm going to pass out even if it's like not hot out and I'll stick my head in the freezer or, you know, what really has helped me a lot lately is at the end of my showers, I will turn my shower on freezing cold. So I'll be in the shower and I'll take a shower. And then as I get out of the shower, right before I get out, I turn it on freezing, freezing ice cold and I'll stand in it for like 60 seconds and then I'll get out. And it just kind of gives you a whole body reset Yeah, because your body's just shocked. Yeah. You like, it's shocking your body. You know what I mean? Like, well, what you're doing is kind of distracting yourself. Yes. From being in the midst of that, you know, that chaotic feeling of panic. Yeah. But you got to remember panic is just a heightened form of anxiety. Mm -hmm. Most people who have panic attacks have some level of anxiety or some type of anxiety disorder, even potentially. Mm -hmm. So if that's something that you're predisposed to, and especially during this weird time with this quarantine and pandemic, the more you can get into and establish a really solid routine for yourself, even if it's different from your normal routine, Mm -hmm. but having some structure around how your day goes so that you can have some predictability that can help ease your anxiety and also building into your day to day part of your routine, um, you know, time for you to practice the fire drill, Mm -hmm. you know, practice it. So practice breathing exercises, practice box breathing and, um, practice your, uh, progressive muscle relaxation and body scanning and meditation. There's like a bazillion Mm -hmm. meditations Mm -hmm. and guided meditations and theta meditations on YouTube for free. There's so many of them. Right. So, you know, find something that you like and incorporate it, even if it's prayer or journaling. And it doesn't even have to be journaling, journaling. Like it can just be a list of gratitudes and intentions every day. And that's I, it. I downloaded this app called Reflecty. And this isn't an ad either. I just keep shouting things out for free. Yeah. This app called Reflecty. It's like really cool. It's like a journaling app. Um, it's They charge you for it. It's like 40 bucks for the year. Anyway, you do you, you journal how you feel each day. Right. And it's really helpful. And then you can kind of see like your moods like what days of the month your moods are a certain way and then you can see patterns and whatnot like that and it asks you how your day is it asks you questions so right. it's actually kind of nice and you journal yeah so yeah so cbd and mm-hmm. in, in figuring out how to get uh inhaling CBD. and what works for you works i mean for, yeah. you don't have to be doing the inhaling it's just right, what right. my psychiatrist friend told me is that you know your body absorbs that better but that doesn't mean it's not absorbing other methods right so whatever works for you whatever brand you like just you know do a little research first make sure it's something you know reputable and natural and good um so yeah so i so we're gonna say cbd i recommend ashwagandha root i Mm -hmm. I can't recommend that enough i've heard even like chamomile yeah is a really good one yeah Mm-hmm. I've heard that SAMe is helpful for people that aren't for on antidepressants. So you can take a, a SAMe 
and that's really helpful. 5-HTP when I was not on. 5-HTP, you got to be kind of careful with. Okay. I'm actually surprised that it's um, not prescription. Oh. But. Because it's like Prozac. I mean, it it's sort of like a catalyst for that same process that, you know, you get from prescription antidepressants. My understanding is that it's not to be used long term. Mm-mm that you can take it and use it for, you know, a couple weeks at a time. And if you are taking it long-term or if you plan to, it's something you should probably consult a physician about first to not just do that yourself. It's not like a long-term medication or drug to be used. Um, When I was weaning down from 75 Effexor to 37.5, my doctor gave me Prozac and I hated it. Mm -hmm. And then he said, you know, you're not normally supposed to do this, but try some 5-HTP, 500 milligrams, the lowest you can go. Yeah. And I took that with the Effexor weaning down and I felt great for the couple weeks that I took it. And then I finally, and then I stopped taking it. I only took it for a couple weeks. But um, apparently he told me 5-HTP turns into melatonin in the body. So it like makes you relaxed and tired. So... I mean, I would go with the ashwagandha root first, natural, you know, CBD, try that. Chamomile. Chamomile tea, relaxing, mm-hmm. get into a, a rhythm, like you said. Try some essential oils, too. For some people, that goes a long way. Really? Yeah. I've never had help with those. For some people, I'm freaking out. I smell some lavender, and then I'm just like, I'm freaking out, and I smell lavender. <laughs> ah, it was crazy. You know, it's interesting. I, I worked with um, an autistic person in the past who mm-hmm. um, essential oils and different smells really helped to regulate his mood, and lavender was like the one that would help bring him down. Oh, really? So he would literally keep a little vial of it in his pocket everywhere he went, and if he started feeling scared or anxious or panicky, he would take it out and just kind of sniff it. And you can get those little portable, yeah. you know, little diffuser things. Well, that's cool. Diffusers. That's really cool. I also have another person, while we're on the panic attack subject, who wrote to me and said, um, Dear Brittany and Julia, uh, I had an, a really bad panic attack in the car when I was at a stoplight last year. And ever since, <clears throat> excuse me, ever since then, every time I drive, I now get crippling anxiety, feeling like it's creeping beneath my skin. Um, I've never had an issue with driving my entire life, but now I'm scared. At this point, I've driven for 12 years and I've been in car accidents, but for some reason, the panic attack situation is the thing that's taken the toll on my mental health and I can't seem to snap out of it. I fear every time I drive that I'm going to get stuck in that situation again I don't want to use medication so every day I get in the car I try to train my mind and rewire it to think that it's just driving and it's not threatening although it's still really hard do you have any advice so I've had this happen to me it's always scary while driving and especially I mean yes it's good that you're standing still at a red light but the idea that you could be on a freeway going oh, like that's happened 60 to me. Yeah, I've, I've pulled off. Yeah, I've been like, you I have had to, to sit down, yeah. But it may be the sort of thing where you need to kind of um, try to like condition yourself into feeling safe. So even if it's just sitting in the car while it's parked in your driveway and just breathing for a few minutes or even putting certain items in your car that are soothing for you. So... You know, if you are religious, if you want to have like a rosary in there or some type of like a, you know, they have those little um, pictures of things that you can hang from your rearview mirror or some type of charm, whatever, you can do that. 
Um, but even just spending time in your car in a safe way to kind of shift the association you have with it, um, that can help. That's helpful. She said, yeah, I'm trying to, I said the anxiety is so strong, but I'm trying to rewire my brain by just constant exposure. She said, do you think this strategy of constant exposure will help? It could be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're thinking along the right lines, Mm -hmm. um, it's, I'm kind of wondering what was so scary about being in the car for her individually. I'm assuming it's a her. Um, mm-hmm. You know, was it was it the fact that it was hard for you to pull off? Or were you scared that other people were going to crash into you? Was it that you felt confined in a small space inside your car and that made it worse, like a little claustrophobia? Or that you're stuck in traffic and no one's going to be able to come help you? Like, that's what's scary when you feel like you're having a heart attack and you're like, I'm sitting in my car at a stoplight and how is an ambulance going to get to me? Right. And you're in LA, so it's going to take forever. I've called an ambulance when I was in my car having a panic attack and I pulled over and they came and they were like, time to take your Valium and <laughs> bitch calm down. Right. <laughs> they were like right. laughing at me. It was kind of sad. That is sad. Yeah. But I mean, as much as you can just kind of sit in your car and have like a chill experience, have, you know, nothing bad happen. I just spent five minutes sitting in here or I spent 10 minutes and I turned the car on, but you know, I never left my driveway. I just kind of sat there with the door open and played some music. I really like that's like calming, you know, those kinds of things can help. And even if, okay, we're going to take the car for a ride just through my neighborhood Mm -hmm. with like one of the most mellowing songs that I know that I love that I'm attached to. We're not going any place. We're not going far from my house. I'm just going to like roll around, you know, and have that and kind of build up a little bit. And guys, I like hate to push pills because I'm like not trying to be like the pill pushing podcast, but even if you just go to a psychiatrist and get a Valium or Xanax prescription, I know it's like the heart, you know, people are like, don't recommend that stuff. It's, you know, addictive. But if you don't have an addiction problem or an addictive personality, it can be really helpful. Right. Um, and just carry it with you. Like I have really bad anxiety in the car, but if I have a Valium in my pocket, I know that if I freak the fuck out, I can yeah. take that Valium now. Yeah. And calm the fuck down. I'll still be able to drive because it's a low enough dose. It'll right. just calm me down. And besides adrenaline's at uh, your heightened anyway with the anxiety that the, the Valium's enough to kind of just five milligrams, take it off the edge and you can make it home from anywhere. Well, I think what you're talking about is having like a, like a break glass in case of emergency yes, yes. kind of thing. Yes. As long and I, as don't, I, have I it. haven't used it. Right. I've and never it doesn't have, used it in the car. I think to not push pills, it doesn't yeah. necessarily have to be a pill for everybody. Right. You know, it can be a brown paper bag that you use to breathe into and you know you always have it. It can be, you know, your playlist. It can be like some type of letter or poem to yourself that you keep in your pocket and you can whip it out and read it. You know, those kinds of things. It's, you know, it, for some people, obviously medication is helpful mm-hmm. and I'm not poo-pooing it at yeah. all, but yeah. it's an individual thing. Right. So for those who aren't into it, it doesn't have to be that. It could be your version of a Valium, your, right, right. your little like safety latch, you know? There's also a great book, Dare by Barry mm-hmm. McDonough, who it's an insane book. You can get it on tape. It's all about coping with panic and it's a long, long book. And if you just have somewhere long to drive, 
put the book on and listen to the book and he literally talks you through like he describes exactly what panic attacks are, you know, how we all go through them thinking we're going to die and it's the end of the world and we have no self-control and all this stuff. And he really teaches you a bunch of different coping mechanisms and, you know, how to really meet your panic in the face and look it in the eye and, and not let it win. Um, I'm still obviously, you know, working on it and I have days that are better than other days, but you know, like I had a day the other day where I had like such a gnarly panic attack. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, t I went to the grocery store with Tommy and I was like, I can't even go in the store. I'm going to sit and wait for you in the car because I just felt like I'm dying for sure. This is it. Like you, you're so convinced that your body's just giving up on you. Um, but I mean, it's a fight or flight response gone wrong, essentially. Yeah. That's why when people have panic attacks, they literally think they're going to die or they're having a heart attack. Right. And all of that type of fear stuff um hypervigilance being on edge all the time being kind of jumpy i mean that's your fight or flight response that's your self-preservation your survival instinct mm -hmm. and especially for people who have trauma yes trauma <laughs> the the famous trauma that the famous seems to trauma, be trauma that bastard yeah so i know for those who have that in their past it can be one of those things that has altered their response and makes it kind of go haywire right um at the drop of a hat and so you know you really have to do a lot of work and pay attention to this and get the help that you need from someone if you're kind of lost on this and you need to unload I mean for some people EMDR or brain spotting is I want to try that I haven't tried EMDR I've yet I've been telling yeah, you know she Julia has been telling me to try EMDR I want to try yeah. that so it's there's things that you can try, but if you've tried all of these behavioral things and maybe you've tried meds and you're still struggling, I mean, the best combination is pills and skills. So go see a therapist. And talk to someone, And guys. I know right now therapists, including myself, are offering tons and tons of remote services. Zoom. Through Zoom. You don't through, have to meet up in person. Uh, yeah, there's so many different, you know, video conferencing software programs out there nowadays that are HIPAA compliant and... The therapists use I use like three different ones um but you know it's available get some support talk to somebody okay that's that's awesome and I feel like you really were you really tackled the whole panic uh, situation yeah. with that but you so gotta be you. approaching it as a fire drill yes not just when you have the attack you need to be doing these things on a regular basis and practicing them so that in the case of a fire in the case of a panic attack You've done it so many times, it's more readily accessible for you and you know what you can implement in that moment because you've done it so many times it becomes familiar. So the more you can practice it when you don't need it, the more you're going to be able to use it and engage it when you do need it. It'll become routine. Totally. That's why I say get into a routine and practice, practice. Okay, this next question, I'm just like reading it and I'm so, I want to like punch this girl's boyfriend. So she says... Hi, Britt. It's a great idea to have your podcast or your podcast. Ha great idea to have your therapist joining us tonight. I've been in a relationship with someone um, for quite some time, and he recently went on a candlelight date with what he said was a female friend. Uh, and then he apparently told this female friend that he is single, I found out. I've been dating him for a year. I'm currently not speaking to him. Um he seems to always bring someone else every time we're in a relationship. Why is he acting this way? She said, I should mention that he always seems happy with me, but for some reason he's always on the lookout. 
Mm-hmm. This guy just sounds so shady. Like, if I found out... You don't go to candlelight dinners with your guy friends? <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. I but. mean, <laughs> if I found out Tommy went on a dinner date with a girl, a candlelit dinner date, who was just a friend and told her that he was single while yeah. we were dating, I would be done with him. Yeah. Especially after a year. That's just my two cents on that. So he's... Continuously bringing up other people while he's, they're dating. She said like, it seems like he's together. always on the lookout. Mm. I don't like that. He's a wandering eye. I don't like that. There's a lot of guys like that. Yeah. That's why I'm so happy I'm married and not in this shithole anymore. I'm so sorry for some people because there's a yeah, lot dating of- sucked. I hate dating. Dating sucks and there's a lot of terrible people out there, but do not settle. And if someone shows you- that they're toxic in any way, like I believe mean, them. Believe them. They're <laughs> showing you. They're like, "Hi, I'm the toxic monster." Yeah. But a lot of people are like, "No, I can change them." Oh no, <laughs> no, no, you can't, I dear. See that all the time, or where I, I see women who are like, "Well, I'm gonna be the one that you know changed him. I'm gonna right. be the one that he falls for, and he's never gonna do it again." Nope, no, girl, nope. Like if he's telling you that, believe him. It's not. True. I think with the wandering eye, the reason why that's difficult is because it can put, you know, for example, her in a position of, you know, now I got to compete. Yeah. And anytime you feel like you have to compete for someone's attention, what you're seeing is that they're not choosing you. Yeah. They're still you know, kind of hedging their bets. Like they're still trying to see, you know, what's out there. They're not present with you and that should be a really big indicator to you of where this person's priorities lie right and you know god knows what he's been through or why he developed these habits these behaviors but um if he his issues are his responsibility and if he hasn't worked them out and if he isn't actively doing any work on himself or saying he's willing to or taking any steps towards that at all. I mean, it's not your responsibility to fix him. It's not your job. And on top of that, it's also, you know, it's, it's up to you to really kind of gauge how okay you are with tolerating this. And if you are okay with it, why? Where did that come from? Yeah. And if you're not okay with it, then you need to speak up for yourself and set some boundaries and go, look, I'm not comfortable with this. And, you know, it actually makes me really feel... Um, like you got one foot out the door trying to find yeah, someone else. Like you could take it or leave it. Right. And, you know, that's not somebody that I could see myself in a relationship with. Either you're all in or whatever else, what other options you're giving me are just not for me. So that's where I'm at. I've known, I know people like this, Tommy's friends with guys like this who are married and will go out with them and they will try to hit on girls or pick up on girls and go fuck them or hang out with them. And I'm like, well, why don't you just leave your wife? And they're like, oh, I love my wife. Like my wife is like my home base. And then they like to just go have fun on the side. And like, I just think that's horrible. Like, I don't like. Well, if they have an arrangement, if they the have woman an- does not know, trust me. Right. Right. But if she did, would she be okay with it? The other piece of it is, you know, just because somebody is cheating, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're unhappy in their relationship. And it's certainly 
does not mean that their spouses have caused them to cheat in right. any way. That that piece traps my ass because it's not, you know, even if you're unhappy, even if you are arguing or fighting or whatever, that still doesn't give you permission to go cheat and go elsewhere. If you don't like it and you're having issues, then you need to address it directly with your partner. Be an adult. Right. Have a conversation, not just go, well, I don't like you. So to spite yeah. you, I'm going to go have sex with anybody else. But like, how weird is it that there's these guys out here that they're like, I love my wife. I love my family, but I just want to go fuck people. It's actually not weird because I see that every day. It's actually more normal than you think. And normal, it's not normal, but I should say common. Right. Yeah. So sad to me. It is sad, but you got to remember, again, it's that baggage thing. There's all sorts of stuff that plays into that from entitlement to um, discomfort with speaking up and communicating and asking for what they need or they feel like they're lacking in their relationships. You know, if you're not asking for what you need or speaking up, then you can't be mad at your partner for not giving it to you. They're, it's nobody's job to be a mind reader. Right. <laughs> We're not right. supposed to be psychic here. Well, you should have known that I want, you know, a foot rub every Tuesday at 10 a.m. No, there's no fucking way for me to know that. You know, whatever it is, you have to talk about it. And for a lot of people, they don't know how to ask for that or they feel uncomfortable or scared asking for it because then I look needy or what if I get rejected and that's going to be painful. So they don't ask and then they get resentful because I'm not getting my needs met and I don't feel like I'm getting something that I want and your partner has no idea because you've never told them and then you seek it out elsewhere. Now you've kind of lost leverage. Now you pissed off your partner if they find out and it's going to be a hell of a lot harder to ask for what you need then. Um, but it's it's really common. And it's not that everybody who cheats is has fallen out of love with their spouse. That's not the case at all. There are a lot of reasons why people cheat. And they, they vary greatly. But, you know, there's something, there's something to it. And, you know, sometimes it's an addiction. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's some type of trauma or avoidance or even like intimacy anorexia or whatever else. I mean, it could be anything, but... Or they're just bored and they're like, I want new pussy. Yeah, but I want to spread my is, seed. But what is that about, right, right? Right, I mean, I have so many. I have I, On my caseload right now, I got to say, I have probably about seven or eight guys like this who are married to amazing women... Beautiful. ...who are like yeah. stunningly gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And they all sit... Well, not in my office right now, but yeah. <laughs> in front of their cameras and their computers. Right. And they go, well, you know, I love my wife and she's amazing and she's just stunning and beautiful and she's incredible and she's just changed my life for the better, but I still cheat. And a lot of it is around, you know, insecurity. It's like once I've landed her, there's no more chase mm. and I want to feel desired. I want to have that that pursuit, that hunt You know, all of that excitement. And if I could do that with somebody new, um, then I get to feel desired again. Because a lot of that changes when you've been in a relationship for a long time. There's no more of that, you know, wooing and courting and being pursued and that excitement of the honeymoon phase. You've kind of, you know. Leveled off. Right. I, like, love that. Like, I love knowing that, like, I'm loved and it's safe and... 
You know what I mean? Like I feel like yeah. take, you know. But for some people, as much as they love that, and that's why they love their wives, that's my home base, that thing, they still, you know, for them to lack that sense of being desired and wanted and having somebody pay attention to them and make them feel pursued, it's a big lack for them. Mm. And it makes them feel like they're, you know, it's great that I have this great wife at home, but it'd be really nice to feel wanted, but we're stuck in our roles of being co-parents or, you know, she's the one who folds laundry and I'm the one who takes the trash out and, you know, all of like the mundane day-to-day stuff where you can lose that sense of being desired, which is why, you know, for couples like that, go to couples therapy, work on keeping that spark alive, like go on date nights. So what do you suggest this girl does with this guy? Well, with this particular guy, she needs to really consider, you know, what's kept her tolerating it for as long as she has? And is she okay with tolerating it further? And if she's not, then what's holding her back from communicating that to him and, you know, putting some boundaries down? Right. And, you know, I think the other piece of it as well is... How do I put this? I don't want to just flat out say, like, kick him to the curb. Me, I'm like, you kill him. I'm like, put put fucking <laughs> put fucking cyanide in a cereal. I'm like, so psycho. I'm the worst. Look at Nina. She's like, Dead. oh, my God. Nina's like, mommy's crazy. Yeah. I've seen it firsthand. Well, yeah. I just, I think that she should consider, um, like, what's getting, what's getting in the way? Is she afraid of being alone? You know what I mean? Yeah. And what kind of led to her ignoring some of the red flags earlier on Mm -hmm. and pay attention to if you're being, if he's gaslighting you, if he's blaming it on you, you know, whatever else, like these are all huge red flags and be fear of being alone is not a good enough reason to stay in a relationship with a shitty person. I can say that like being in a relationship with someone who was always like kind of had like one foot out the door or like a wandering eyes. Like you always keep trying because you want to be good enough and you want to be like, oh, I I can be the only one or I can make them, you know, love me the way they did in the beginning, whatever. Like just give up. Do not try to be whatever they want you, you know, just you're enough. You don't need them to verify that you're enough. You're enough. Trust me. It's not your issue. But do you want to be struggling and working towards getting their attention and, you know, their affirmation to feel like you're enough? Or do you want to work towards feeling empowered to set boundaries around the type of treatment you're willing to take and feel enough that way? Like, take your pick. What do you want, really? What does she want? Is this what she wants? I mean, I, I have tons of women who I make them make lists and men of what they want in a relationship and not just what they want in terms of like, you know, six foot three. Yeah. <laughs> Muscles. Yeah. Big, and big penis. Yeah. You're like, no, dude, we're talking about emotional right, needs Right, right. Yeah. Not yeah. like big dick energy. Yeah. We're talking about like, how do you want to feel when you're around this person? Right. Right. So I want to feel like I'm important to them. Like they are considerate of me. Like I'm respected like all of these things make your list and then go through this last year with this guy and see if he checks all your boxes and if he doesn't well bye yeah yeah I suggest that very much as well making lists is so important I did that I made a list and that's when I finally decided to like like be done my Um, list is I need space (laughs) 
I'm like a lot of it. Oh my God, I love you. Okay, guys, we are going to take a quick break. I'm loving all your worst situations that you wrote in that you're getting the help with from our professional Julia here. I'm going to put all her info in the, um, in the, uh, whatever below blurb and uh, be, be linked on my page to her page so you can you know contact her if you need to um, and we will be right back after this commercial break with more worst first stay tuned okay while I'm looking for your worst first I'm gonna have Julia answer this question because it's come up a lot is how do I make my long distance relationship work during the times of the coronavirus Ooh. so go ahead and take it away Julia okay while I'm looking for this I will so First off, this not it's not just during the coronavirus. I think it's long distance relationships in general. My husband, my current husband, who I love dearly, um, I hate saying current because it sounds like I'm gonna have more. But <laughs> <laughs> my husband right now, yeah. no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, husband number two. We'll right. see what comes. Um, we did the long distance thing for a while. I personally, because I really like my space, I found that to be ideal. But it's not for everybody. So. I would say the biggest thing is um, being able to have like a like a set schedule of when you check in with each other. I mean, obviously, life permitting, if you have work, if you get called out for emergencies or whatever, maybe something you kind of have to have some flexibility on. But one of the things that helped us tremendously was being able to have a set time every day where we would check in usually it was in the evenings where we would just kind of talk about our day and you know connect with each other through FaceTime or whatever and we felt connected um I mean you can really kind of go nuts with this like nowadays in the era of technology you can like send naughty photos and you know you can you have like those remote controlled sex toys where you can <laughs> kind of from a distance stimulate each other, diddle each other. So there's all these different tools that you can use. But I think the biggest thing is around staying connected and communicating. I think that's like the key to a long distance relationship. Because if you're feeling super disconnected, that's when you start kind of feeling like, what am I doing? Are you even in a relationship? I haven't spoken to this person in four days. You know, that's where it can get difficult. So I think communication, um, get creative with, you know, the sexy time. FaceTime, padiddling. <laughs> padiddling. I've never had a long distance relationship. I don't think I could do that. I have. When I was younger, I had one like when I was in my early 20s and that didn't work well because I was in my early 20s <laughs> and I was an idiot. <laughs> but um, before I moved to L.A. for a little over a year, my husband and I did the long distance thing. I mean, it wasn't crazy long. He was here in L.A. and I was up in San Francisco, but it worked. Um, and I think the key to it is communication just stay connected even if like throughout the day you send each other text messages you know like kind of showing each other that you're thinking about one another and that you're not just like doing whatever and you know you you've forgotten about this person completely yeah it takes two to tango if yeah. this person is if you feel like you're doing all the you know reaching out and this person's not giving you anything back then that's like a sign to you that this person is not as invested yeah 
in this relationship as you. Totally. Yeah. I mean, relationships can look all sorts of different ways. And there are people who are married and who live in different states and different parts of the country. And, you know, they still make it work and they make an effort to get together and travel and see each other. But that doesn't mean that the relationship has to come to an end or that it's doomed. And there's going to be hard times in a long distance relationship, the same way that there's going to be difficult times if you're, you know, in the same town. But I think the key is to have that, you know, both people have to be committed and they have to show that through making effort to connect, to communicate, to make each other feel special and thought of and all of those things. Effort is sexy. Yes. I think there's nothing sexier than someone who makes effort and really tries, you know, you know, I'm not saying like going crazy, but like people who go out of the way to let you know that they are thinking of you, that they care about you, totally. checking in with you, that kind of thing. You know, I, I think that's amazing. And I think there's nothing more of a turn on than that. Like as soon as I leave the house, Tommy and I are texting, you know, like, or if I go somewhere, he'll check in with me and go like, how's it going? When are you coming home? Like that kind of thing. Just caring about someone, checking in with someone is like such an attractive thing. I don't think there's really much like sexier than that, in my opinion. I, I think that's so sexy and so rad. Um, okay, so we've answered, a, you've answered a bunch of questions on this podcast. I know the premise of the podcast is worse first. These have been your worst, the worst situations that you guys are in right now that you want help with. So I thought it'd be appropriate to read a few worse first, just for yes. <laughs> pure entertainment purposes. Uh-huh. I have a couple. They're like kind of long. This one's really funny though. So this girl, I don't know if she wants me to say her name. Um, okay. She said it's Moon Pie Gremlin. I'm hopefully not going to get in trouble for saying that. Anyway, she said, hi, Brittany. I have a good worst first for you. I'm in my late 30s, but when I was 16 or 17, there used to be this website called Makeout Club. My older friend, by a few years that I hung out with a lot back then, had been talking to a guy on there that lived nearby. The guy was in this band and he was begging for us to drive from Orlando to Gainesville to meet with him. She begged me to go with her and so I said, okay, I don't want to be a third wheel, but I decided to go anyway. When she didn't care if it was safe or not, she said, we're going to go at least ride along so you can look out for me, blah, 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 blah. The guy was definitely older Okay, so she said, we went, we ate Wendy's, we picked up some ratchet fast food on the way. <laughs> she said, Florida is hot and mayonnaise is not a good idea no. in the heat, if you can tell where this is going. I lived in Florida for like over a decade, that is correct. Ew, yeah. ew, mayonnaise and hotness. <laughs> so she said, needless to say, when we got there, I felt like Sigourney Weaver, an alien. I could tell there was about to be some thunder from down under, if you feel me. She said, we meet up with this guy and he's kind of grumpy and he's in some emo band. He says he lets us into his house and says that he's going to go hang out with his friends at, at the pool and then he'll be back later after he's done hanging out with them. Weird. He specifically and weirdly asked us in a scolding tone to not look at his diary while <laughs> while he was gone. So, <laughs> so weird. A guy invites you to come hang out. And, and then, then he leaves. leaves you in his apartment by yourselves and with his diary. And you go, like, don't look at that. Okay, see you later. Like leaves it on the couch in front yeah, of you. Yeah, she said, which sat uh, by his nightstand. She said, I was pissed that he was even going to make us wait for him. Excuse but how me. much older is he? And what is it 
what's with an older dude who keeps a diary? <laughs> Weird, right? And he's in an emo band. It's probably all his like lame yeah. lyrics. Yeah. Um, she said, my stomach started to really hurt. I only hung in there because my friend really liked this guy for some reason. Suddenly, I felt a mud rocket begin to shoot its way out of my cake hole. <laughs> so I ran to this guy's bathroom. Wait, isn't your cake hole your mouth? I, I have no idea. For her, it's her butt. Maybe she eats cake with her asshole. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, so she says, I run into this guy's bathroom, which is in his bedroom, and I shit splattered all over his toilet. Oh. It was literally a pile of sweaty shit. It was the most painful sort that you can't hold in. After getting some relief, I looked around me for toilet paper. There was barely any. As Did we use pages from the diary? <laughs> dead oh my god that'd be amazing that'd be awesome she goes as soon as i finished wiping i stood to pull my panties back up and damn that was a small vintage toilet that i just had fucking blown up she said it had poor water suction and it was instantly clogged she said i called my friend through a cracked door to come and help me she came in like a good friend and we got it down far enough that we could sop up the rest with a towel so it wasn't noticeable that it overflowed but the turd pile was still afloat and no flushing attempts were coming no no attempts flushing were getting it down so soon we got a tiny trash bag and picked up the shit with the trash bag inside out and threw it out the bathroom window Oh, my God. He was back with his friends in the living room, so we couldn't bring it through that way. Oh, my God. So she says she tried to shove more shit down the shower drain. (gasps) Oh, my God. And rinsing it down the shower because we didn't have any more bags to throw out the window. (sighs) This is disgusting. I didn't. (laughs) Oh, my God. This is so bad. And then she says, well, they got back before we were done. So I ran into the living room to casually stall all of them. Then they said they needed to take showers. Oh, my God, this is getting crazy. And her friend was trying to push her shit down the shower. She said the guy went to his car to say bye to his friends. And the guy bandmate went to shower. The guy goes in and he starts screaming and cursing. And they both tried to act super hard like they had no idea what he was yelling about. The guy was super shitty to me after... He went into the bathroom, and I'm pretty sure he ratted me out. And I basically had to go watch a shitty concert in a dive bar after that. The guy was mad at me all night. And what? She said she wasn't going to spend the night and hook up. I still don't know why I ate that Wendy's sandwich. Oh, my God, I'm dead. Because Wendy's sandwiches are delicious. They're so delicious. (laughs) Then she goes on to say, I recently found a fingernail in my Shake Shack chicken sandwich. Ugh. All right, well, sounds like you've had a rough... (laughs) Do you know Moon the story? Pie Gremlin? Anyway, that's embarrassing. Actually, can I be completely yeah. honest? Have you done that? I had really bad. I had to shit really bad one time, and I was in the shower, and I was like, knew I wasn't going to make it yeah. from the shower to the toilet. Yeah. And I was at a guy's house, and so I just shit in the shower, and I fucking mushed that shit down the drain. Oh my god! <laughs> I was like. Ugh. I mean, it's water soluble. Yeah. If you fucking crush it enough, it goes Who down. Number two work. And for? Then I- <laughs> you showed that turd who's boss. <laughs> this is clearly me having mental problems. And then I like, you know, you wash your hands with soap and you're done. But I'm like, God, can you imagine if he walked in and I was just pushing my turd down the drain? So nasty. You've never shoved a shit down the drain? No. Never? No. Wow. Good for you. Uh, but 
I have a worse first story for you. Oh my you. God, tell me. Yes. The first night I ever spent with my now husband. Oh my God. This was date number three when it's expected or something. Date number three is always like the. So we had a conversation that night. We were out to dinner at a restaurant and I was like, so this is the third date. You know, they say it's the third date when you can like expect things to happen. He said that? No, I said oh, that. Oh, you did. Of course okay. it was me. Hello. Oh He's probably like, wow, what a rapist. And I was like, so are you, do you have any expectations? And he's like, I mean, no expectations. Maybe like I was hopeful. And I was like, yeah, me too. Check please. And we just ordered like appetizers. So we leave, we go back to his place and you know, we get it on and He's like, we'll stay the night, you know, we'll, we'll do something in the morning. I was like, okay. So we, um, we go to bed, we go to sleep. It's the first night I'm actually spending with him. Like this is the first time we have sex. Okay. So middle of the night, I wake myself up out of a dead sleep with like a massive thundering fart and i'm the you little farted spoon. oh yeah oh my <laughs> god you're all burn and all- i'm this i'm the little spoon stop so, so your fart went like on his, his leg oh so i was like oh my god this is third date this is and first time we ever like and your night fart together. woke you up like out of a dead sleep like like trumpet like <laughs> yeah <laughs> and like huge and i was like oh <gasps> And I was so embarrassed. And I was like, is he awake? And he was like out cold. And I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. You are so lucky. I know. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to go back to sleep. And my stomach was like all off. And I don't know why, but I was like, you know how like you just struggle to hold it in? Yes. As long as you're on a date. And as soon as you leave and you get in your car, you're like. (laughs) (laughs) That's every girl, by the way. And guys. And and guys. guys, Yeah. So anyway, I try to go back to sleep and then it happens again. No. And I like startle myself. I did it like three times and he's just out. So, so I was living in San Francisco in the Castro, which is like the gayest place on earth, the gayborhood. And, um, like three weeks later, Ted and I were still dating and like things were going well. And I think it was like 4th of July and I had a barbecue at my house where I was living in the Castro in the backyard and all of my old friends from San Francisco, which all happened to be gay men, they all came over and Ted came over. And so they got to meet him and Ted were hanging out in the backyard and like grilling and whatever. And he goes up to the house to go use the restroom. And as soon as he leaves, I turn to my friends and I'm like, oh my God, I didn't tell you guys what happened. The first night I spent with him, like I woke myself up out of a dead (laughs) sleep and I (gasps) farted super loud and it happened like two more times. And they're like, did you wake him up? And I was like, no, I didn't. And at this point, I didn't see him coming back down the stairs. And he goes, no, you did wake me up. (laughs) And I was like, and he goes, I just didn't want to say anything or make you feel embarrassed. Bless his heart. He pretended to sleep through it so that I wouldn't be completely mortified. Thank you, Ted. This is why you're a keeper. What a nice guy. But he's still, he's never let me live it down. It's been, what, eight years now? And he's still like. He's like, remember when you farted on my dick when we first (laughs) first started dating? The first night you spent with me, almost took my leg off. (laughs) I'm like a it's all his leg goes flying off. Oh my god! First night I ever spent with him. Here's the kicker. So same thing happened with my ex. Stop. 
Julia, yeah, we got to get you some Beano. I know, right? But this apparently, podcast sponsored like, by Beano. I know. Apparently, if you catch me when I'm single and you spend the night with me and I <laughs> fart on you, like we're getting married. <laughs> the fart has like some kind that's of how like, that works. potion in it that makes them apparently. fall in love with you. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah. breathe it in and they're like, "Ooh, yeah. that's nasty." Ooh, yeah. I love her. It's Cupid's arrows when you can get farted on, right? Yeah. Oh my God. The first time I ever farted in front of Tommy, I like did it by accident. And it was only like a couple months ago. And we've been together four years because uh, he's so grossed out by farts. I, I lasted so long. Well, because I take probiotics. I'm yeah. like pretty regular. I, I do don't too. really ever fart. doesn't matter. Dead. <laughs> so, so I farted and I didn't mean to. I was like laughing or something. And it was like, deet. It was like a little like, deet. <laughs> It was like a little date fart. And he looked at me and he was like, ew, Ugh. is this where we are in our relationship? It's over now, huh? You're just going to fart in front of me? Disgusting. He's like, you're gross. He made me feel so bad. It was the cutest little Mickey Mouse fart like I've <laughs> ever heard. Like it sounded like boop, boop, boop. Like it just was like, eat. it was like yeah. cute. It was clean. Yeah. It wasn't like, didn't have Mine bass. wasn't like that. Mine was like, yours like had a, bass. Like a trucker yeah <laughs> mine didn't sound juicy or anything it was yeah. just a cute little deet. like you know what i yeah. mean and he fucking freaked out he is so disgusted by farts that when he has to fart he will like leave like he'll go outside and he'll be like don't follow me and sometimes i'll follow him because i just want to hear him fart or like if he has <laughs> like if he has to fart he'll like go to like the bathroom like three hallways down yeah and i will go and i will listen because i want to hear it like i love him i love fart his farts you know what i mean i just think farts are hilarious i do too am i seven i just love farts i think they're funny it's like it's just a turd honking for the right away like yeah what, what's the big deal it's like it's funny to me anyway <laughs> i also have a really bad queefing problem where <laughs> if i'm getting it done doggy style it's just that's like, everybody you get air trapped in your vagina dude i turn back over position. oh my god yeah. i turn back over it's like <laughs> that's <laughs> it's like unletting a whoopee cushion no just that's pushing normal. the air out of a whoopee that's cushion. really common and tommy was like the first time it happened apparently he's only fucked like perfect women because i first time he did it he was like what he's like what was did you just fart and i was like no it came out of my vagina i quaffed quaffed. (laughs) that's like a fancy word quaffed please tell me you've seen the south park episode with the quaffed sisters no okay okay i gotta watch it check it out i have to watch it anyway so that's like you know that's pretty bad but i get it thanks for sharing that no but that happens like i want girls to know it's okay is a position where you can get air trapped in your vagina because of how your, our bodies work. It's just yeah. like God's cruel joke. But yeah, I mean, if you, I mean, if you practice your Kegel exercises, maybe <laughs> you can magically hold that in if you then change positions. But that's like a super common thing. It's so hard. I've tried to hold it and it just does. As soon as I turn my body, it just comes out. Yeah, because <sighs> it's trapped in there. Yeah. There's no place for it to go. It just comes out. Yeah. It's just fucking loud and gross, but he's used to it now. It's all good. He like makes fun of me for it now. But it's common. Yeah, it's totally common. You can't help it. Unless you have like a perfect vagina that doesn't no, get the, air trapped in it. Like one of those exist. halfway smile vaginas. It's just like. Have you seen those? No. The ones without lips that are just like. <laughs> that are just like. They're so perfect and tight. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to get air trapped in them because you're talking about the outside, the vulva. Yeah, that's true. Not the vagina, which is the canal. Yeah. And that is, 
that functions pretty much universally on most people and you can get air trapped in there. Yeah. I think it also depends on like the size of the penis. Yeah. And hello, I'm dealing with fucking Tommy Lee. Jesus Christ. It's like a fucking policeman's baton. I'm like, my God, like, how do you expect me not to? Right. Fuck. I'm surprised I'm alive. (laughs) Fucking. I'm surprised a kidney's not skewered. Jesus. Well, first off, you know, you can set boundaries and say, I can't have you going all the way in and but hitting I can, my cervix. <laughs> but I can. <laughs> my shit's like the Grand Canyon. It's blown out. Like, it could have, like, a tourist stop next to the Grand Canyon. They'd be like, what? I could be standing next to the Grand Canyon. People would be like, which one's the Grand Canyon? <laughs> like, people would get confused. My shit is fucking, ex- fucking got, it's got, that's gotten the treatment. The, the, Tommy, treatment. the Tommy Lee treatment. <laughs> what is that? I'll show you later. Okay. Cool. Anyway, guys, this has been. <laughs> we just crossed some boundaries. Like, if you don't ever, sure. if you don't ever hear from Julia again, it's because she fell in my vagina <laughs> <to> and died. <laughs> <laughs> so this was like a mental health podcast, and then it turned into quests. <laughs> Um, I love having you here. And I love being here. Do you have any more words first? I have more questions for oh, you. Fire away. Should we just keep going? Just go. It's an hour. We're at an hour and 15 minutes, but you know what? We'll just keep asking. We're well, just going to ask you some more questions. If you're not a quitter, you're going to keep I'm listening. not. I'm just, yeah, I'm just going to keep going because just so many, there's go. just so many questions for you that I don't, I feel do bad it. that I'm not. We um, might just need to do around three. <laughs> Oh my God, this is so insane. There's so many. How do you handle coming out of quarantine, looking like Chewbacca and going into bikini season? You don't go into bikini season. We're hibernating this summer. Um, Okay, what was I going to tell you? Okay, so question for the podcast tonight. Yeah. Oh, there's so many. This is like a lot. Um, thank you. I wanted to see if you could ask your therapist. Okay, this is a panic attack one th- mm. that we've already had that. This Practice girl says, I have gel. a serious case of astrophobia and I get severe anxiety living in South Carolina. What's astrophobia? Do you know what that is? I never even heard of that. Does she mean is agoraphobia? It, is it like... um? I can't Google it. I don't have my phone on me. My can't Google it on there? Oh, yeah. That's true. <laughs> you have a computer in front of you. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> guys. Astro, like... Astrophobia. Is that like being scared of the sky? Like astrology? That's what I'm wondering. Oh, astrophobia is an abnormal fear of thunder and lightning. Oh. Well, out there... You're, I mean, Florida is the lightning capital of the world. Oof. Actually, Orlando is. Yeah. Fun fact. Um, South Carolina is not too far off, and they have electrical storms, um, which we don't really have out here on the West Coast. We don't get a lot of thunder or lightning. Um, for most phobias, what you're looking at is a lot of um, cognitive behavioral therapy and exposure therapy. So... got to sit in it. Kind of, but in small steps and work your way up so even if you like start off small um and maybe like watch some videos of thunder and lightning and <laughs> just to sitting feel in your safe. house <sighs> yeah but just yeah. to but it's in a safe environment it's contained it's not happening it's not happening around you you're right. not actually in it um 
But I would say, you know, one of the things that we do with people is we have them make like fear ladders. So take this fear and let's say you have 10 rungs, like one to 10 on your ladder. Mm-hmm. What is going to make you feel at a one that has to do with this fear? Is it just like seeing it on TV? Is it, you know, hearing it somewhere on, you know, one of those like noise machines, white noise machines? What is it that's going to get you to a one? Mm-hmm. What's going to get you to a two, to a three, to a four, to a five? And really working with grounding techniques and breathing and helping yourself to stay centered while you try out those different rungs like okay let's try to watch it on tv Mm -hmm. and when we feel ourselves getting anxious we feel that sensation in our bodies start to creep up of we're getting tense our heart rate's going up let's pause and employ some of those techniques like start using your breathing start you know close your eyes do a body scan whatever it is that works for you to kind of recenter yourself and slowly work your way up the ladder. I mean, most people are probably going to struggle to be at like a 10. You know, you don't want to be outside in a field holding a golf club in <laughs> yeah. the middle of like a I'm going to expose myself <laughs> by getting right. struck by lightning. Right. Yeah. That's probably a 10. Right, right. But, you know, you, you may not find yourself in that situation frequently. So, you know, I think anybody would be at a 10 in that situation. But you know, there's different ways that you can try exposure therapy, but I would say don't do it on your own. You really want to work, work with, with somebody. Someone. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. And I think that works for a lot of different phobias, right? Exposure totally. therapy. Yeah. Okay. This one comes from a, a nice girl. She says, um, hi, Brittany. I have a great question for your therapist. Um, I have a recurring dream probably as often as once to a few times a week. It's always someone trying to break into my house and I'm frantically trying to keep them out. It's never anyone I specifically recognize, but I'm always terrified. The dream is always a little bit different, but the overall premise stays the same. Sometimes it's so bad. I wake up barely able to breathe and sometimes screaming. What does this mean? I'm so tired of having the same nightmare over and over again. What can I do to help myself? This has been happening for the last few years. So dreams are interesting because obviously they're not real, but there's... They feel real. They can, yeah. Um, But there's, there's different schools of thought on dreams and what they mean, right? Some people think that dreams are like premonitions, Other people have looked at the symbolism in dreams to see how it relates to your actual life. Um, You know, there's different ways of looking at it. You know, if you have somebody who is um, a certain type of therapist, like psychoanalysts really look at dreams. I don't as much as other therapists, but I do think that symbolism in dreams is significant. So, you know, even just at first glance hearing about that, the one thing that stands out to me is a feeling of like a lack of safety and security and feeling intruded upon. So it makes me wonder, you know, if again, that old bastard trauma, Mm -hmm. if we've had some type of trauma where, you know, somehow either her person, her physical person has been violated or intruded upon or um, emotionally, she's been violated or intruded upon. This is a tough one, and I feel like it's so subjective. Like, it's mm-hmm. so open to interpretation. Um, the other piece of it is, you know, makes me wonder if she's not feeling really 
confident in trusting herself to keep herself safe. Mm-hmm. Like not confident in the decisions she makes or the company that she chooses to keep. Um, that kind of stuff and feels like she is vulnerable or at risk. And what can she do right now to help herself with this situation? Well, as far as dreams, when people have really vivid dreams to the point where they're disruptive or where they're not getting really enough rest, where they're not sleeping soundly, you know, you may want to talk to your doctor. You may want to talk to a sleep specialist, get a sleep study done. You know, there's also, if you want to sleep more soundly, try taking some melatonin, you know, something natural so that you can sleep. I think the other big thing is get a really solid routine before Mm -hmm. bed of really winding yourself down Mm -hmm. and calming down. So like take a warm bath, get a cup of, you know, chamomile tea, something soothing, um, you know, listen to some music turn screens off because that can really overstimulate your brain right before you go to bed. Yeah. Um, you know, read something that's interesting, funny, calming, not on a screen, but like a book, Mm -hmm. um, you know, find ways to really mellow yourself out before you go to bed so that you're not going to bed in an anxious, yeah. in like an anxious amped up state. I, you know what has helped me a couple nights I've noticed is like Tommy will put on almost like white noise music where it's mm-hmm. just like super quiet, um, either like rain or, yeah. you know, jungle noises or whatever. And I notice the nights that he does that, I don't have crazy dreams. Good. It's like, I think your brain's like listening to the music subconsciously. And so it doesn't allow you to get into that place. And I know the Calm app is free for some features. And there's actually like background noises, like ocean waves Mm -hmm. and uh, rainforests, all kinds of different stuff that you can just put it on your phone on your bedside and have that playing while you sleep super low. And I don't know, just try it. See if it keeps you from having the dreams. Because I noticed a couple nights that he, when he did do that, I definitely didn't have as aggressive of dreams. You can even try, you know, like the theta meditations. I told you about those a while ago, the isochronic tones. So it's, they're guided meditations, but it's not like, you know, Deepak Chopra going, okay, now the mantra, you know, (laughs) like it's actually tones that work with your brain waves to sort of downregulate you and Whoa. you can put that on, you know, right before you're falling asleep on low and just kind of listen to it. It's not really, some of them sound more musical than others, but not all of them are, but that can also help you to kind of get into a calm space when you I go to bed. I love that. Yeah. Um, okay. We have two more questions and then we're going to wrap it up. Okay. Um, this next question yes. um, comes from a sweet girl, my fairy king on Instagram. I know I'm not supposed to say the names, but she doesn't mind. So um, she said, uh, hi, Julia. I just want to know what is the best way to cope with feeling stuck inside? I'm used to going out, even if it's just to target as a distraction, sort of when I hang around all day, I feel gross and like I wasted the day. And that's pretty much how I've been feeling since we've been in this quarantine. Any advice? So that's a really good question. And I, extroverts are struggling right they now. They are. Introverts are like, fuck yeah, me. Yeah. I'm like, hell yeah, let's yeah. try another TikTok. Yeah. And make cookies. Yeah. Oh, no, I don't even want to do that. I'm like, I've trained for this all my life. I love <laughs> it. I love it. I'm like, this could last forever. I, I do too. Um, But I get it. And my husband's struggling with it. And he's much more extroverted than I am. So I would say the stuck feeling 
is I think first off, don't dwell on feeling stuck. Don't just sit there and be like, I'm stuck. I can't go anywhere. This is boring. This is what my life is amounted to. I'm I'm a prisoner in my own house. Like, Dead. <laughs> don't dwell on it, but see, you know, try to keep yourself busy, I think. Try to connect with people. I mean, I know it's not the same as seeing them in person, but I have heard of people um, going for walks outside, like still distancing more than six feet apart, but like meeting up with their friends and just going for a walk for a little bit, you know, keep your mask on, wash your hands, don't touch each other, don't lick each other, all that good stuff. But, you know, you can still have some contact where possible. I mean, get out in nature, get outside. Yeah. Take your dog for a walk. Yeah. Paint. Whatever it is, even if you just sit outside and paint, like sit out Mm. on your balcony or sit out in your yard, whatever. Um, But I also think, you know, get some activities going. Mm -hmm. Get something that is an interest that maybe you didn't have time to really pursue before all of this. I mean, you know, whatever it is, like plant an herb garden like I just did. Yeah. Or take up some type of a hobby. Get yourself a Peloton bike, you know? Like, Start learning another language. Yeah. Duolingo. I There's love. There's so much to do. But, I, don't, I, I, but yeah. I get this feeling stuck. I yeah. get the, you know, it, it starts to get mundane. And I think for a lot of people, they start to get resentful mm-hmm. like you know are we done with this yet you know I, I was watching the news which I rarely do and mm-hmm. it was like all these protesters Ugh, they're who so are annoying. protesting this and it's like I, I get it I get that you know it's not comfortable it's not pleasant but you know sometimes you kind of need to shift your focus and reframe yes it's not ideal it's not what you would prefer to be doing but you have a roof over your head you're healthy you're safe you know, you have a lot to be grateful for. You have internet and cable. So you do have access to some type of entertainment. I know. Can Um, you imagine if it was like the early 1900s? Yeah. You'd be sitting outside with a stick, like hitting a wheel. Like (laughs) you'd be so bored. You'd be reading. Yeah. I mean, what else is there to do? So boring. But it's, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like so uneducated. I'm like reading. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I mean, I read all the time. I love it, but it's, you know, I think if you're busy, if you're busy spending so much energy thinking about how much this sucks, mm-hmm. that's energy that could be going to something else that you might actually be surprised to find that you enjoy. Yeah. You know, I love that. That's a good answer. But I get that it sucks. And like, I don't want to downplay it and be like, no, you're wrong. This is great. But <laughs> I fucking love it. <laughs> I do too. You're wrong. This is great. I'll I, say it. I do too. I love it. I'm but loving it. I'm Nina an loves it. Nina's like, this bitch can't go anywhere right. without me. She's like, I got to go everywhere with mommy. <laughs> yeah. 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 But we're introverts, I guess. But we're, I'm Literally. an introvert. For me, this is like awesome and I could do this forever. But I get mm. that for some people, it's really. Like it affects their mood and I know, those social they start creatures. getting depressed and I get that, but I think you really need to start getting creative in terms of like how to connect with other people and stay busy and entertain yourself and, you know, rather than spending all of that time sitting in the suck, spend some of that sitting in the fuck. <laughs> Fuck your boyfriend. <laughs> Remotely. <laughs> Remotely. Have him UPS his dick over. Dead. Um, okay. I wonder if those like, you know, those, those companies where that send you like the, the molds where you can create yeah, a mold of your Tommy's penis. Tommy's done that before. I'm sure that doesn't I'm all, surprise where me. Where is it? I want it. <laughs> Fuck. 
But why? I'm wondering if like business is booming for them right now. That's actually such a good idea for people that aren't living together, couples that aren't yeah. living together. Yeah, get your boyfriend in mold of his dick. Send yeah. that to his house. That's a fun present. Have yeah. him send it back to you. Um, or girlfriend. It'd be really awkward, though, if you vagina. sent it to him and then you never got it back. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I did it. And you're like, where did it go? I know, right? I know you, you didn't send it to mom he, for then, Mother's Day. And then, like, and then he breaks up with you. Yeah. And you're like, mm, that's weird. Yeah. Um, the last one I think that we'll go for is... Um, uh, this one's like a little bit more sensitive sensitive so i never hear anything sensitive this one says hi julia i'm having a lot of trouble being patient with my younger sibling who has schizophrenia Mm. any tips on how people can deal with loved ones with mental health in these sorts of situations so i'm guessing because now a lot of people are stuck yeah you know, at home with people of mental health issues, schizophrenia or bipolar disorder or whatever, and they're spending all these time with people, it makes it really hard. Like, what is some things that they can do to learn to be more patient? Well, I think this applies not just to people who are stuck at home with, you know, friends or relatives or whatever who have mental health issues. I think it's, you know, stuck at home with anybody. You lock two people alone in a room together, inevitably at some point they're going to they're gonna annoy each other. So I think it's important first off to find ways to take space and mm-hmm. really do things for yourself and take care of yourself. I think the other piece of it is that, you know, it's really intense to be around somebody who is schizophrenic mm-hmm. um, and yeah. to care for them. And at times you may feel like it's thankless work and like they're taking things out on you and they're being unnecessarily aggressive or they're having a really difficult episode and they are not empathetic to how hard it is on you. And there's just this expectation that you can take it. Um, and I think with that, it's because if you're dealing with somebody whose mental illness is, um, severe enough and impairing enough, you know, you can't really expect them to be the ones to give you a break. So you really have to be... Take it on your own. You have to take some space and give yourself some time wherever you can get it. So even if it's the sort of thing where, you know, the this sibling goes to sleep and you go to sleep half an hour later and you take that half hour to just kind of decompress and take care of yourself, you know, take a bath, breathe, whatever it is, not clean up the house and make sure the dishes are put away, like actually take time for you. Um, I think it's important. And I think it's important for anybody who feels like they're stuck at home with somebody Mm -hmm. who's just on their last nerve. Cause Mm -hmm. that is something I'm seeing so much of so many of my couples, especially I have couples who are like separated Uh or about to divorce Mm -hmm. and they were still living together when this quarantine came down and now they're stuck together and things are tense and they're just, it's like, it's so difficult. And so, and even couples who were fine before, but now all of a sudden, you know, they've never spent this much time together and they're like at each other's throats. I know I'm seeing that with a lot of my friends. It's weird because Tommy and I are so used to this because we're like out in Calabasas and we've spent all our time together. So for us, right. this is just like a Tuesday. Right. But I'm getting a lot of that. Yeah. A lot of people are saying like, oh God, I want to kill my wife. I want to kill yeah. my husband. Like, my God. I think I, I'm getting a lot of that. And actually recently over these last few weeks during the quarantine, doing remote sessions, a lot of them have been... um 
couples who are reaching out to me who are struggling with that, who are like, oh my God, we've never spent this much time together and we're on each other's nerves. And I think the biggest thing you got to remember is that just because you're quarantining together doesn't mean you have to spend every waking minute together. It doesn't mean you have to do every single little thing together. You can still maintain your individuality and be your own person and do things on your own while being quarantined together. Yep. And I think it's super important. And I've been talking to a lot of my clients and my couples about this is, you know, yes, you are going to have a lot more time together and you're going to be doing a lot more together than usual, but you also need to build in time apart and mm. some me time, some self-care time. And if you've got kids or someone you're taking care of, you know, take it in shifts. If you've got somebody there with you, like, Hey man, this has been a really long day on me. It's tough. I'm not used to having all the kids at home and not at school. I need like 20 minutes mm -hmm. to myself. Can you like hold down the fort while I take this? And it's important that you speak up and ask for it and discuss it and, you know, come up with some type of a plan or arrangement you know, yeah, we're in a new normal and mm -hmm. hopefully May 15th for California, it's going to be lifted, but we don't know for sure. I don't think it's going to be, I think it'll be, might be lifted, but I also think that gradually yeah, lifted. time is I think going to be di different for a long but time until they come up with exactly. And in the meantime, vaccine. you kind of have to adjust and the best thing you can do and we feel best, we thrive with structure. Mm -hmm. So if we have a structured schedule now of like, okay, you take the morning shift and you deal with this, then I'll take midday and help out with this. And then I'm going to need a break in the afternoon. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to need your help doing X, Y, Z. And then evening we can whatever do things together. You know, it can help to kind of structure things out because it's going to give you some type of semblance of what your life was like before all of this happened. And obviously it's not the same, but as much as you can do that, if that felt better for you, then figure out a way to make it work. And by all means, again, just because you're quarantining together doesn't mean you have to be attached at the hip. True. I sleep till 2 p.m. and Tommy gets up at 6 a.m. So he's like a solid like eight hours. I'm what? horrible at math. Yeah. To, to just hang out by himself. And then when I wake up, he's actually excited to see me because he's like, it's alive. I do that with my <laughs> husband. Ted and I have very opposite schedules. He's up at 5 a.m. every day. And even on weekends, if he stays up late, like his body just naturally gets up early. Ew. I am not. I know to me, it's like, that's the middle of the night. What are you doing? It's an ungodly hour. <laughs> like it's still dark out. What are you? What? The birds are all like, God, what is this guy doing? Like I'm not even up yet. Even my cat's not up. The cat's up. <laughs> I know. So, he, and I usually wake up a little later. Normally I wake up at like eight or nine, but I will say this whole quarantine has messed up my sleep schedule too so I've been getting up closer to like 10 yeah girl <laughs> you about to be on my game plan you about to be calling me at 4 p.m telling me you just woke up right Dead. I'm rolling out of bed and having breakfast yes but I will say in the mornings that turns into Ted's me time and he like watches the news and catches up and does his thing and I'm more of a night owl so I stay up later and he's in bed religiously, like out cold, down for the count by like 9, 30, 10 wow. every night. Wow. And so, so that's- So you get to hang out. That's, that's your, my your me time. time. Yep. So as much as, you know, we've talked about it, he's like, well, I just wish we could go to bed together at the same time. And I'm like, well, I have trouble sleeping. So you're going to be passed out within a few minutes and I'm still going to yeah. be wide awake and yeah. tossing. And 
what difference does it make to you once you're already asleep? Exactly. And then once we talked about it, we realized, you know what? That's actually when we get our me time and when it works for us. But I think it's so important for anybody who's feeling kind of trapped with somebody who is intense or is getting on their nerves to find a way, even if it's for little tiny windows of time, to kind of get away and do some self-care. Love that. Yeah, get some space. You've given us so much insight and so much good advice today on the pod. I'm so grateful for having you here. Thanks I'm like slowly open. I'm so I'm trying to keep doing the podcast, obviously, while we're in quarantine. I'm slowly opening up the floodgates to letting like a few, you know, people, select people that I know have been quarantining as well come over. And so you're one of yeah. those people. So I'm so grateful to have I you here. I think this is the only place I've been to yeah. since quarantine. You're the only one I've had over. I don't even go to the grocery store. I send Ted. I love that. I don't, I don't go. Guys, if you want to follow Julia on Instagram, her username is at Julia LMFT, which stands for Licensed Marriage Family Therapist. Or licensed Motherfucking Therapist. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one I prefer. No, so she's great. Um, I'm going to have you back again um, probably in a couple of weeks. So um, you guys can submit questions at any time and I will stockpile them up for Julia. In the totally. meantime, make sure to follow her. Feel free to message her if you have any questions. And thank you guys all so much. Stay safe. Stay, stay protected, healthy. stay healthy, and keep your spirits up. I know it's tough, yeah. um, but keep your spirits up. You know, um, it could be worse, always. Yeah. It could always be worse. We still Just have a lot to that. be grateful for. Yeah. For those of you who are affected by it or, yeah. you know, you've lost friends or family members, you know, please, please get the support you need around that. You know, know that you're in our thoughts and that, you know, this is just so unfortunate and devastating. And there's a lot of um, community outreach and there's a lot of people online um, and a lot of chat rooms and a lot of groups that are available to people if you're struggling. Um, there's also like if you're struggling with your mental health right now, there's a ton of hotlines that, you know, obviously they're not going to call the ambulance on you and 5150 you unless, you know, you tell them you're going to kill yourself. But there's a lot of hotlines that are you can just talk to people mm -hmm. if you're feeling depressed. One so, of them is 211. Have you heard of 211? No. 211, it's like 411 where you could pick up the phone and call information. Yeah. 211 is you could pick up the phone and call um, a crisis hotline. Oh. Mm -hmm. And they don't like... I think if you want a local number, if it doesn't work from like a cell phone, I believe it's whatever area code five 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 one two one two. Uh huh. Um, if I'm and I'm that's just mistaken. if someone's struggling with their mental health. Yeah, or they're feeling suicidal, or they're having a panic attack. You can actually Google two one one. Uh huh. And it can give you like local numbers as well, but it's like a free um, crisis hotline. Great. Mm -hmm. Well, that's fantastic. I didn't know about that. Yeah. So, guys, get your 211 on if you need to. Mm -hmm. um, and in the meantime, take care of yourselves. Get your rest. Eat your Wheaties. Brush your goddamn teeth. Get out of bed. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. And take your a face. shower. Take a shower. Put some fucking lipstick on, girls and guys, and go about your goddamn day. I'm just kidding. All right. I'm getting insane. We're going to go have dinner. Okay. I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week on the Wars. Hey. Bye. Bye.